The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, Rob, how are you doing? I notice I sound slightly better than I did in our last recording. You do sound slightly better, Scott. You've not been you've not been well, have you? You've been poorly this last I've few days. Poorly. Since, yeah, since we've really got back poorly. from Las Vegas, you've, uh, you've really had the lurgy, haven't you? You've suffered with it. Yes, uh, I'm still coming out the back end of it, but feeling a little bit more sprightly uh, to talk about Man United's new third kit, which has just launched as we record this. Uh, So we'll talk about that and talk about Roy Keane getting involved. I've also seen Fred pictured in it, which could we read something into Fred staying at Old Trafford after all, uh, if he is in his new kit. Uh, We'll talk about the big news this week, which is on the outgoings front. Obviously, Rasmus Hoyland has arrived and he has been presented at Old Trafford, but that was on Saturday. That's old news, even though we've uh, not done a show since then. We'll talk Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, potentially going in a double deal to West Ham. We'll talk how Manchester United could replace both of those players, and Maguire in particular, because I think we know how we know which, which midfielder United are going to go after next. Uh, we've talked about him on previous episodes. We'll talk... The friendlies from the weekend, Andre Onana got lobbed and the David De Gea fan club were thinking, oh my God, whatever will we do? Well, we're here to say, stop doing that. Uh, It's a new era. We're moving forward. And uh, please, please, every goal United can see, please, please don't say De Gea would have saved that because he's not, he's not coming back. He's just not coming back, unfortunately. Uh, is he, Rob? He's not, is he? No, you're going to have to do a TikTok <laughs> video, Scott, and we're going to have to make it go viral just of like, please do not do this with our new goalkeeper because it's so predictable. But at the same time, it you know, it shows that De Gea did have his fans that obviously would defend him. But it's perpetual of United, doesn't it? It goes around in circles with plays, especially in this scenario where you've got a brand new goalkeeper who's very, very different stylistically and personality-wise to the former goalkeeper. Yeah, that's the show today. Uh, we will be back on Friday as well. United play their first game on Monday, so mm-hmm. we'll, that preview episode will have a few days to sit. But I think United will be quite busy this week. We think Fred could leave this yep. week. Uh, we think Harry Maguire might actually go. And this is uh, really, really quite interesting, but there's obviously... We'll explain what the holdups in the deal are if you are not fully... Uh, aware. We'll talk about Scott McTominay's valuation as well. 
I'd like to ask you, Rob, later in the show, if you think these valuations are fair, because I think you might get more money. But anyway, uh, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods and watch us on YouTube as well. Uh, the Promise Land and Manchester United podcast, head over to the channel, like, subscribe, and leave a comment as well. And follow us on the socials. TikTok, as Rob mentioned, I'm going to have to start posting video this season. I did it before, but honestly, Rob, I feel I, I'm too old for TikTok. But I want to see you, Scott, walk, walking down the road with a coffee, shouting at your phone, like when things don't go. That, that's right. what happens. That's what happens yeah. on TikTok. Like, I've seen some people just literally just shout. That's it. There's, there's a Chelsea fan that just shouts after every result. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Chelsea fans, isn't it? Uh, uh, and Arsenal fans for the last 10 years. But um, no, look, I think you could do a walk down the street, as I said, and do some shouty stuff and post a straightaway reactionary. We'll see how it pops. Right, let's do this. It's not in the running order, but I did a video on this yesterday. How do you think United season will go? Do you know, I was just about to record a, a, a season preview, but I'll give you a little bit here. Um, I think it will go okay. Like I think when we're looking at this window, windows don't always translate into how well someone does or a club does, do they? It just doesn't work like that always. But it does feel like, for the first time in quite a long time, that United have some rhythm in this development. Like, I don't want to get caught out here with a with a loss to Wolves on Monday like, that's probably what could happen. Their manager think, could go by the time the season starts. I, exactly. So, you know, like as someone said the other day, new manager bounce already for Wolves. That would be a nightmare. Oh, it? God. I hit, yeah. yeah. It, that it happened could, way too many times last season, didn't it? I know. I know. We don't want that, do we, at Old Trafford on the first day of the season? But I think United still, realistically, have to almost have very similar goals to what they had last year. So, Champions League qualification, a good Champions League performance this year and to make sure that you are winning more than you lose in the Premier League. Now, that sounds very simplified, doesn't it? But Manchester United have struggled with those basics for so long. And I still think, like for me, I'll go on record here now, I think the team that's going to win the Premier League next year is Arsenal. And I'm obviously doing that to to jinx them massively. No, but I, I do think that Arsenal are the team probably in the best shape to win the league next year. But of course, City will be there or thereabouts. And United can't really say at the moment that they should be in that conversation at this stage. Like we might go one, two, three, four months in, Scott, and start getting excited if United are winning. So I feel good. I think that's the main thing is that going into this season, you know, we're going to talk today obviously about Harry Maguire's impending departure and what we what we think about that and where the deal is with that. But I also want to talk about his potential replacement because I think it shows with Manchester United what they're doing now behind the scenes, which I think is much more progressive and much more exciting than I think we've seen in previous campaigns and previous transfer windows. You think Arsenal win the league? Yeah, I do. I, at the moment, that's my gut feeling. Like, so I, 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 that's not, you know, I've not got into kind of any technicalities in terms of looking at, at stats or, or metrics. But I think Arsenal, if you, I, I, I tipped them this time last year, 12 months ago, and said I think that they could put a title challenge together and a credible one and be there towards the end. And it kind of went that way. This year, I think they've significantly improved in terms of their transfers. And they're kind of getting to the point where I think they could be a very kind of dangerous team week to week. Now, they were last year, but I think they'll have a bit more longevity this season just simply because of what they've done. Of course, Scott, if they get injuries or something like that, well, they've only no. got one in Jesus. It, well, Jesus, I think, is going to be their Martial in many ways. Like, I think he might be injured quite a bit now and then. Do you know what I mean? Maybe not as bad as Martial. But, but, They've also got that kind of covered. Like, it's so weird that they've got Balogun and they're kind of touting him for 50 million. Whereas I'd be like, 
I quite like him. Like, let's give him a go. Let's let's integrate him into the squad. But of course, they've already got Trossard, haven't they? They've got, you know, Martinelli can play the nine. So they've actually got plenty of options in that part of the park where some people are saying that there's a worry. I, I don't, I'm not worried if I was Arsenal. I'd be ready to go now. Even if you're playing a fluid front three, I think they, they are the title. They're the team to catch for the title this year for me. I still think City are a little bit, you know, they won everything last year. But there's still there's still doubts for me. I look at City and I think, yeah, you still need to buy in that position or do that there. Which but, positions? Know, is this a Man City show? Um, well, That's the first time I've uh, asked you about Man City. Uh, I, think, I think when you look at their back line, I still think their back line, they've just brought in, obviously, their new player at the back there. And I just think that, he is looking like they're going to they're going to commit Bernardo Silva now, and I think that's a big thing because I think if you'd lost Silva, you'd have had that's a big gap. Like people think that he's just a player that comes in and out, but he's a huge player. But you've also got the fact that Gundogan's gone, so I think there's always these little bits and pieces with Man City that you've got to rely on Kevin De Bruyne's fitness. So if Kevin De Bruyne can't stay fit for a whole season, then how do you make that work? Where's your creativity lie? With uh, up top, are you going to go with someone like Cole Palmer in for Mares? Mares gives him incredible numbers every season, and people don't talk about him. So there's all of that for me. Do you actually? How do you make Harlan tick? Because Harlan needs people to help him tick around him, even though he's a you know he's a stone cold killer. So they've got these little bits and pieces which I know only pinpricks that I don't see of Arsenal. I look at Arsenal and I look at their from back to front. You know they go and get Raya in goal. That's again, I think, a significant increase in like. Do, do you think stock. Raya takes Ramsdale's place? Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Because Harry, playing... Harry doesn't. Yeah. I, I know people don't think that. Yeah, <laughs> I know people don't think that. But like, we talked a lot about Raya, and a lot of people said to me, "Oh, you know, Raya's not that good." Go look at Raya's numbers and watch Raya play at Brentford. He's one of the big success stories at that football club. He's why they're up there. You know, incredible saves, shots stopping getting the ball out from the back, everything. And that's why Arsenal want him, because he's just that little bit better than Ramsdale. Like, it's not huge, but it's this is how you win a title, Scott. And that's what I think City need to do now. The players that they've lost are really good players. Like, Maris and Gundogan are top, top squad players. That were, If they were at Man United, Scott, they'd be starters every week, wouldn't they? And heroes. So I think you have to replace those players and City are still in that process of doing that. And they are. Like, I'm not saying City are going to be a bad team next year, but this is the difference between one, two, three, four points that can win and win you a title and lose you a title. City won the league by five points last season. Just, just saying. Just. That five points is not a lot though, is it? Five points, two wins, you know, five draws, whatever you want to call it. And I think City did that. And they, it didn't feel like they eked it out over the line at the end, did it? It didn't feel like that. But that's the truth. If Arsenal had kept their metal and gone on, Arsenal would have won that title. They would have done. They should have done that. And that's on them. <coughs> that's not on Man City. So well done to Man City with your treble, you know. It, fantastic. But I do think with Arsenal that... They need to find that extra yard. And I think City now kind of just slipped that extra yard. So that's the balance of power. So, right so where do you put United? Third or potentially fourth. And and I still think that top four has to be your broad kind of gate that you're looking to get through. Because there's a lot of teams going to get better, Scott, this year over the summer. And there's going to be competition for that place, maybe more than it was last season. Newcastle will get better. Chelsea will get better. Liverpool are in the process of trying to get better, but obviously losing players as well at the same time. 
Um, so there's a lot of competition, I think, for United for that top four. So I, I'm confident about the club itself and about how we're playing football and how we're going to play. But I still don't think that you can say title challenge straight out the gate. Let's uh, let's get into the show. What do you think of the third kit? What do you think of Roy Keane rocking it? Uh, no, no, kits wise, I, I said to you off camera. I said that the, I said it reminds me too much a little bit of Liverpool's kits from back in the day. It's got that kind of the same kind of template in terms of what it is. Oh, is it cream or is it white? Can people it's tell us in the comments? Me, is it white? I'm not the best person to ask, but look, I'm white. going to have to look closer up on it because I literally only glanced at it just before we started recording here. So. Uh, please don't punish me for that. But uh, I don't know. It's okay. And I think Roy's going to get a lot of flack from the fan base for obviously doing this with Adidas and the Glazers because there's a lot of talk about whether you should or shouldn't buy the kit at this stage. And if Roy's promoting the kit, it's uh, it's going to be tough for some fans to take. I'm just looking at a picture of it now. He looks delighted to be pocketing however much money he I'm made. I'm sure he will be, yes. Maybe this uh, is a new Adidas deal for him. Maybe he'll be doing more launches at Manchester United with our, our so, new kit sponsor, because Adidas will obviously be with us now for the foreseeable. So rank the three kits then. Ooh, rank the three kits. I, I like the second kit the best out of all of them. That's my number one kit. Not a, controvert- not, not a bad take, actually. That's what that, 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 to me, has longevity like this third kit doesn't have longevity scott come on like look at it it's it's all right it's a it's a white kit with a bit of red on it like some people will like that it's quite often in the years gone by white has been our second color isn't it that's been a big thing for united but i do like i like the second kit and then the red kit third kit jury's out all right jury's out if jury's we're in the champions beat. league in it i'll be all right with it if we're in the champions league with it, then i'll love that kit <laughs> yes, uh, we'll see how United do this season. Uh, let's move on to double sales or potentially lots of sales this week. Yes, clear out, Scott. That that doesn't happen, Rob. In your own words, clear out never happens. Happen. Never happens. Well, I think this is as close as we might ever get to a clear out because it's it's multiple deals being executed in a very short space of time. So, who have we got Dean Henderson? Uh, Nottingham Forest to sign in Matt Turner, but yep. I don't. I think they still want Dean Henderson. It's just a case of uh, how much or what the terms of the deal are going to be. I think Forest don't really want to commit to a permanent deal at this point, but that's United's sticking point. They do want that. Yep. We've got Dean Henderson potentially on his way out. That doesn't seem currently close, but that has been talked about all summer, so it could come off at any point. Excuse me one second. Sorry. We've also got uh, Scott McTominay and Harry Maguire. Now, these are the mm. these going to be the, the two players that we'll talk about most. But obviously, we mentioned Fred as well. Where's Fred going to go? Like, are we Fulham. looking at Saudi Arabia or Fulham? <laughs> or, or... Um, either or. Like, like, whoever wants him. Like, that's the way I look at it. it, it <laughs> I'm kind of... I think the thing with Fred is that he didn't have a bad season last year, but he certainly had a declining season. And I do think that, again, when you look at what's happened in pre-season, that kind of thing the manager's done with him, isn't he? Like, it's it's over. He, 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 his skill set doesn't really fit what Man United want to do. Ball progression from the deeper areas, trying to play, as, as Ten Hag's now talking a lot about Gagan pressing and um, trying to catch teams. He says, we want to be the best team in the world in transition. Uh, 
Fred doesn't really fit that, does he? And neither does kind of Scott McTominay. And neither does Harry Maguire, funnily enough. So I think these are all players, you know, with Donny van der Beek potentially out the door now on a loan to Real Sociedad. Um, these are players that don't fit the MO. Do you know what I mean, Scott? These are players that, that might have their uses in the squad. But I always say, don't keep players that don't help you do what you want to do. And all of these players now that look like they're on the chopping block and on the way out of Manchester United, I'm all right with it. I'm good. I'm glad. I'm I'm happy because I don't want to see them week to week. When I turn up at Old Trafford, Scott, and these players end up on team sheets, I'm always a little bit like, oh, I don't want to see Fred start today. It's not. It's not. It's not really what I want to see. But you do it because you've got to do it because you've got an injury here or you're rotating there. So Fred, I think I can see Fulham. Like has William gone through now? Has Williams? Move, I don't know. Actually. So I, I can see that if William does, like William signed a deal with Fulham and then promptly said he wants to leave. <laughs> so I think that was all of like three weeks ago. Um, but if William exits the door and, and leaves the football club and they get some money for him there, then then Fred is a is a is a good replacement in the centre of the park. And, and I think Fred will play more as a number eight or forward progressive player at somewhere like Fulham than he does at Man United. So he might like that a little bit more. So yeah, a few players on the way out, and it's uh, it's quite interesting how quickly these deals are going to be executed. Yeah, let's do the let's do the big two then. Yeah. Well, ha- well, are you happy with you know get fifteen million for Fred? How much are we talking? Again, when we did our show before earlier, uh, obviously at the end of last season, looking at outgoings, I think that you just have to take the crumbs on the table rather than the slice of bread. Well, they ain't taking it for the other two. Well, they're not taking it for the other two, but I think they're just playing possum, Scott. I think this is all part of the game. It's a little bit like Harry Kane and and, uh, and Tottenham in it, like, oh, we don't possibly want 89 million for the player. We want 109 million. Well, it's, it's just what you do and it's posturing. So I think Man United are going to wait for a bigger fee for, for both Maguire and McTominay. I think with Fred, if you can get something like 15 to 20 million off a Premier League team or any team, Saudi Arabia, any club around the world, I think you take it. Because a player that can't help you, so get him off your books. Where What, what did Ed Woodward used to do? Sign all these players to deals. You'd have a squad of 30-odd players and literally 20 of them you didn't want to see in a Man United shirt. So I think you have to be progressive with this. And yes, the window's open for a little bit longer, isn't it? You've got some time. Haggle, haggle, haggle. But I'm I'm not... I Maybe I'm not as big as you, Scott, on some of these fees. Like I, I think, Fred, if you get 15, 20 million for him... For a that's a good that's- deal. I think if you get... 20 million for Fred, that is fan- that's fantastic business. You know, you look at Manchester United yesterday, uh, obviously turned down the offer of 30 million pounds for Scott McTominay. Now, that again is posturing, they're trying to push that out there. Said, Well, you've just got 105 million for Declan Rice, you know, we would like a tiny more slight, you know, well, bigger. Well, let's do this that. now. I was going to do McTominay first anyway. Okay, how much is Scott McTominay worth? Well, the thirty million pound on the table, I would have taken it. I'd have taken thirty for Scotty because I think as 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 good as he might be for West Ham, and I think he'd be a good signing for them. I think he's limited, and I again don't want to see him in Manchester United squad. That sounds very harsh and hard, but I think this is where you are in your build. I'm looking at it from a kind of business aspect. Now, I think if they get Scott something like thirty two, thirty three, thirty four, maybe some add ons. I think that deal gets done in an instant. I think that's what Man United are pushing for. And I think they would like a combined fee of around 70 to 75 for these two players, obviously with the the former captain potentially outgoing out of the football club at the same time. And then United feel that they can execute 
the remaining deals that they have. So there, there's a kind of a correlation there. I think with Scott McTominay, I don't know, Scott, what do you think he's worth? I know you've always said that he's worth more. I think, uh, I think he's worth 40. Yeah, I, I, I think fully. Uh, I think football gets a kind of silly season, and we start. I, I don't know. Like, t- tell I, me, I, tell I, me why? Because James, like because all English players, Conor, I know Conor Gallagher is younger, yeah, but yeah. this—that's the going rate for a midfielder at 26, 27 years old who is Premier League experienced. And Scott McTominay, I don't know whether I said this on the podcast a few weeks ago. If Scott McTominay plays at West Ham with a DM behind him, he can get ten goals a season. And and that's what United are saying in the negotiations. They're saying if you want this player, he could be really good for you, and we like him, and we'd keep him. And I think that's the other side of it. United are like, no, we're not just going to give him away for thirty. What I'm saying is that I want to see United obviously be progressive and get their deals done now. So we'll, we'll talk about obviously the, the midfield and defender that they do want to uh, later on. But I think you need to kind of clear the decks, and you need to kind of do it relatively soon. There is time, so. These deals are being negotiated as we speak. So these things might have changed by the time you're watching this show in the next few days. Uh, but I think with Scott McTominay, the time is to say goodbye to him now. He he has a good skill set, Scott, but not for what we're doing. Like he's never going to play the 8-10 for Man United unless someone's injured. He's not going to play at that end of the pitch because he just doesn't have the technicality. But for West Ham... Yeah, I can see him being a bruiser coming in, playing 10 behind the striker sometimes. And that's a role he played as a kid. He played as a number nine when he was a kid. He can score goals. He's decent in and around the box. Is he ever going to play there for Man United when everyone's fit? No. So he's just someone you need to get rid of in the same way as Donny van der Beek is. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm seeing some people puzzled that McTominay is, is worth so much more than van der Beek is. But van der Beek's been injured for 18 months. So... And and it's not get in a team, you know? and it's not a stylistic question. It isn't about like oh who's who's better on the deck or who is prettier or any of those things. It's about use. So this is about going to West Ham and knocking on their door and saying, okay, you like this player, you want this player, let's do a deal, but we're not going to give him to you for free. Because let's be honest, if you'd sold Scott McTominay twelve months ago, you might have actually got less. I don't know. But when we talk about value, it's it's always about what the selling club and the buying club can negotiate. That's all it comes down to. Do I think Scott McTominay is a £40 million central midfielder? Absolutely not. No, no, I, no. I no. do. When you look, I, I do. When you look at what... Let us know in the comments. Do you think when Scott you look McTominay at, is the £40 million quid? What did Arsenal pay for Odegaard? What did they pay for him? That's different. Like It is different, but it's also the same. Real Madrid just wanted rid of him. He had, they yeah, had no exactly. place in their team for him. So that's where two teams meet and they kind of they come to a, a, a consensus on a player. So if West Ham really wants Scott McTominay, you can kind of push that out as far as you go. But there is also the chance, Scott, that someone better than Scott comes along in the market in the next few days and they go, actually, he's only 25 million and younger and we're going to go with him. Well, that's, and that's what, what... exactly what United need to do when they do sell him. Well, that's. I think this is where United are going. You know, should we, we? You know, we'll talk a little bit about Am- Amrabat, but we'll also talk about Toddybo as well because these are two players that United are knocking on the door of, and that is how United should be building their project. If I'm a West Ham fan, I've seen West Ham fans already yesterday comment going, "Why are we interested in players that Man United fans hate?" Now, I'm not. I'm saying I hate them, but in general, they get a lot of flack, don't they? And the reason they get a lot of flack, Scott, is because. They're not great, you know, sometimes, you know, they don't deserve it. Like, I think all the booing and all this rubbish at games is absolutely preposterous and shouldn't happen. But it happens because fans don't like them. So I, I think if you're going to sell Scott McTominay, 
today I would say thirty million pound or around that is is fair. I had did have someone tweet me saying it starts at forty for Scott and then we start having a conversation. And I'm a bit like maybe I'm a little bit more au fait and a bit like well I don't know. I think if you've got sixty for those two players for players that you don't oh, want, uh, of course. My first reaction was take the money. But yeah. that's because United can't sell players. Exactly. So you, 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 you're faced with the last yeah. 10 years of United being completely unable to take any money worth note on any player, any Angel Di Marie, you sign him for millions and millions, and then yeah. it's like, oh, that doesn't go well. You sell him. Same with Lukaku. And yeah. you, you make losses on them. You know? But I think that's what's scaring people, is the yeah. fact that United are historically such terrible sellers that you think when you get a fee of like 30 million quid and it's straight cash or something, it's like, yeah. oh my God, we'll never That's get me. this again. <laughs> That's you. We'll never totally. get this again. But if you're a club that operates well, and the jury's out, United, well, United haven't been doing this at all like for, for ages. They, they're not selling players very well, but they have to start somewhere. And yeah. you have to, you know, stick your flag in and say, this is how much we feel this player is worth. And you have to stick to your guns. I think West Ham will come back, personally. I think I, David I think Moyes will. has won this power battle between him and his sporting director. Yeah. And there's a little bit more room yet. There's only one bid. You know, if, if a team decides they want a player, they don't make one bid and just go away, generally. No, and of course, if you are in these negotiations with West Ham, and obviously very public as well, that it opens the door to other clubs. Because Scott McTominay would be a player that would fit multiple teams. So West Ham want him the most at the moment. And now you're testing West Ham's resolve. That's, again, very normal, isn't it? But I also think because United have got these two players that they're interested in coming into the football club who would cost around the same amount of money that they're looking at book balancing here. And they're going, well, if we can eke out a few more you know, pennies for Scott McTominay, then that makes the Amrabat deal more sweet to us. That means that we can kind of execute that in a more comfortable fashion if we go extra on say things like add-ons or something like that those two deals will be very very comparable in terms of of the monies that we're talking about but I think again you know we'll talk a bit about Maguire coming up as well I think United are looking at a player that they bought for 80 million and they're kind of saying well we don't want to give him away we don't want you know a player that maybe starts for England and will start for you you know if you want him it's 30 million but can't you pay a little bit more because we've got someone lined up already that we would like to buy around the same kind of price. Well, I think there's a difference between the two players. Obviously, I know yes. we're talking about similar prices for them, but one one player comes with a massive wage. Yeah. The other, Scott McTominay is not like... Doesn't he's earn, not on a big wage. No. He's not on a big, he doesn't earn nothing. He's not on a big wage. I think... I I, I, I don't want to mention what the, what the figure is. I can't remember exactly, but... I think it was like 60 grand. I think he's on... I think he's on I think I'd he, say I, a little I, bit a little bit more than that, but I, I think, it's not I think far he was off. the lowest out of the squad, yeah. out of all the main the main played squad players, that uh, he was kind of on the lowest. Certainly team. not far off. So when you talk about selling a player, hmm. you know, that's factored in as well. So yeah. West Ham could ingest that kind of wage and even give him a wage increase if he's to become a, a regular first-team player for them. Yeah, you know, because that's within their wage structure. Somebody yeah. like Harry Maguire is not in their wage structure, so that that's a no. different problem. But that also means if Scott McTominay is is can fit into their wage structure pretty well, United can ask for more money because West Ham aren't committing as much on on the wages side to him over the course of a four or five year contract. So that's why I think United should dig their heels in and try and get as close to forty as possible. If they can get forty, then fantastic. I think thirty five is a decent deal as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if West Ham to come back. I don't think United should go and 
hold on at all costs. And if, a, if this price isn't met, then it's no deal. Uh, but that's, that's how it should be. And I think looking at Harry Maguire now, let's, let's talk about him because that is, if anything, I think this one looks more likely currently because mm. the, the, the bid has gone in. I don't know whether United have officially out of hand rejected it, but there is work to do here because Harry Maguire is on £190,000 a week mm-hmm. and West Ham, I can't remember their wage structure exactly, but it's. I think if he went in, he would be their highest earner on that money slash one of their highest earners. Yeah. And uh, obviously Declan Rice has now left, but players like Kurt Zuma are in there. They're on lots and lots of money. Uh, the problem is here. I think West Ham have put money down 30 odd million quid. The problem is that United have this 190,000 pound a week wage, which they gave to Harry Maguire in 2019. It's fluctuated depending on Champions League qualification, mm-hmm. but they have to clear that because Harry Maguire is not going to want to leave Man United and take a pay cut in the process. That's right. Yeah. After losing the captaincy, because that is that's just embarrassing. You know, I think he's going to have to kind of salvage on uh, or hold on to something. So United are going to have to find a way, a creative way to happily facilitate Harry Maguire leaving the club, and that will invariably mean that they've got to make up the wages to him in order to see him go. Now. I think West Ham, as it stands, as I heard last night, we're only committing to about 100k a week of that 190. Yeah. So I think United want West Ham to come up a little bit more. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, this is what it comes down to at the end of the day. And you're totally right about the wages on both those players because, you know, Scotty comes in at a, an affordable rate for West Ham, matches their pay structure quite comfortably. And West Ham don't want to pay a penny more than 100 grand a week to Harry Maguire. Now, that's understandable, isn't it? So United need to be creative here. But that this is why I think if you look at these two deals together in perpetuity, that's kind of you look at them and you think if they can get 75 million for the two players or something around that mark, then it's all systems go. They can get rid of these players quite comfortably. They can give Maguire maybe a severance. Maguire then goes to West Ham and is happy. There's, there's no doubt behind the scenes, Scott, and we saw this obviously on tour and pre-season and even in the last game, you know, Heaton gets the armband when Maguire's on the pitch. Harry Maguire is being quite openly told by the manager, it is time to leave the football club. You know, your future is elsewhere. And I think Harry Maguire gets that. So even though players do dig their heels in because of cash, and that will be his agents, obviously telling him that as well, obviously people who work with him, his reps, that... Ultimately, he needs to go play football, doesn't he? And he wants to play football. And I think West Ham is a good project for him. And David Moyes is a good manager for him. So it's interesting. Let's see where it goes. I think I don't think it will take long, Scott. I don't know about you. I think I think this actually might get resolved relatively quick. And I think United themselves want to be active towards the end of the transfer market because they have still got players to sign. I'm just distracted. Sorry, Valt Veghorst has said goodbye uh, with a... <laughs> To football? <laughs> to Man United. Oh, has he? Uh, yeah. A bit late. <laughs> a little bit late, Vout. Um, not not sure, but he's uh, released a video of him scoring his two goals in non- <laughs> non-Premier League. 
Excellent, excellent. Uh, where were we? Uh, Harry Maguire. We'll get him in January on loan when we've got injuries. Yeah. When Hoyland's out for the year, then we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll knock on his door. Uh, Harry Maguire. What, what, what was the question you asked me before I started laughing? I just said, do you think... I, I was saying, I think those deals get done quite quickly now in terms yeah, of United, I mean... United are negotiating, United are keen, West Ham are keen. And I think the other... The key part of all this always, I will say this, don't I, about the three-party system, is that the players, I think, are keen. I think both of them look at that and say, well... We're not going to play at Man United. And this manager's told us quite clearly that we are not going to play. We're going out the door respectfully. You know, we're going to a good team. I think West Ham is a, is a good club for them. Uh, and and I think they'll do okay there. I, I just think with Harry Maguire and Man United, United now need to find not necessarily just a replacement, because I do think Johnny Evans might get a contract, but they are knocking on that door of a very, very good young Frenchman. And I think he'd be perfect for United. Yeah, I mean, I think that Maguire holdup, like we say, it, it could be could be the case that even this podcast comes out, United's still talking to West Ham and yeah. they, find, they find an agreement. I don't know. It could be today. It really could be pretty it, quick, it could, I think. It could be. The, the, the season starts at the weekend. West Ham, I think they're doing their first sign in Edson Alvarez, who is a Declan, Declan Rice replacement. But obviously you've got 100 million quid burning in your pocket. Yeah. And... West Ham have lot. Well, they've sold Skamaka as well. You know, there's a they've got a lot of business to do, and they've left it quite late. So I think West Ham are gonna. They're looking at the Premier League season now, starting and thinking, "Oh God, we got to get, we got to get down to work." And two Premier Um, League ready players. So you know, I think with you know, as much as we don't want them at Man United, they are players that could walk into their team and would give them upside immediately. Maguire, especially, I think, is, you know, he's been in the nicest possible way, managed out quite well. Eric Ten Hag has done a good job here of mm. assessing the situation. You know, you don't want to see Harry Maguire getting booed all the time. No. It, it, just a word on that, actually. Don't boo him. If, if he does play again, just, you know, maybe it's the it. fact that United are on tour and, and this kind of thing, it makes it it's a bit more pantomime. I don't think that would happen in Old Trafford, would it? It's, uh, well, obviously, we had the game the other day, and there was a few, there was a few moans and groans. And I often say that, go, oh, you know, it wouldn't happen on a match day. I, I don't know, like if you pay your money to go and watch your team, and you don't get to see Man United very often, and you think, oh, do you know, this is a good moment to boo someone, and I've just paid fifty quid for the privilege, or you know, you take your family and pay two hundred and fifty quid or more. Come on. Like, I, I didn't agree with it when it was Paul Pogba going onto the bench and people booing him back in those days. I, I've never agreed with it, really. Like, I think there are sometimes, Scott, in the moment where something happens and maybe fans react at half time or like you lose a game to a poor team and you get a few boos on the final whistle. Booing someone in pre season yeah. is a joke. Like, what are you doing? Just don't bother going if that's how you feel about it. Do you know what I mean? But unfortunately, Scott, this happens in other sports. I, I, I was going to tweet about it and say, you know, in American sports, it's quite normal to, to boo the team. If they anything bad happens, you just boo. And when something happens, good, you cheer. So, you know, Harry Maguire got an assist in that last game, didn't he? And it was quite a decent assist. And I can see him doing that for West Ham quite successfully. That ball coming oh, into the box. he's definitely scoring against United if he moves to West Ham. Oh, he's definitely. Season. And then Absolutely. I think he'll be success. Like, I think the Moyes is a better manager for him than, say, Ten Hag. Remember, so, Harry Maguire scored an injury time equaliser against United for Leicester. on Bo- yeah. I think it was Boxing Day one year, but the year before he moved. 
or something like that. He's always known as one of the best penalty box operators, both in both ends of the pitch. And I think he wants to get back to that. And Man United, he's just not been able to do that for whatever reason, you know, tactics, or you can look at his own performances. But yeah, don't boo players. Like if you you want to do it, it's up to you. You've paid your money. But I think on match days, you're more likely to get a lot more flack from fans around you. Like if you stand there and go, boo, like that, you will get someone next to you going, what are you doing? It does happen. I've seen it many times but on a pre-season game maybe fans you know think it's a little bit more fun I don't know I don't understand it it's not what I would do I certainly wouldn't be booing Harry Maguire anytime soon well the writing's on the wall anyway I think Harry Maguire's starting to starting to realize that as well he knows it he'll he'll lose his England place if he stays I think as much as people want to say Southgate won't change yeah he has to at some point he can't he can't keep picking a player who can't get in a team for, for two straight years, especially with the, the Euros on the horizon and players like Levi Cole will break in through. Exactly that. And and I, and I think that's the whole thing. I think at Man United, it's a similar kind of situation. We think about what United have done in the transfer market. Um, you look at kind of outgoings and incomings. I think Maguire now looks at the lay of the land and maybe thought, maybe three or four months ago, thought, no, I'm going to give it a go because I, there's an injury I can get back in and prove myself and I'm on a big wage, so why not? Now I think that United are kind of making moves away from him. Even bringing Johnny Evans in for the tour is a kind of like slant at him, isn't it? It's kind of saying, well, you know, this guy here who's 36 and will be on incredibly less wage than you, might give him a go. But then also there's other players we're now looking at at centre-back. So I I think for Maguire, it's not just that the writing's on the wall. I think he's now reading that writing and kind Mm. of saying, well, West Ham is a good club. And he'll go there as a leader. Like, he could lead at West Ham and even become club captain. He'd be decent. West Ham are not going to play, like, front, (laughs) especially under David Moyes. They're not going to play, like, uh, you know, forward-thinking, you know, high-energy, intricate football. You know, it's David no. Moyes. You no. know, they'll, they'll sit back a little bit. It might suit his game a little bit more. Uh, they'll capitalise on set pieces as right up Harry Maguire Street. And Harry Maguire, for me, is a top eight, top ten defender in terms of the Premier League. That's why I look at him in terms of clubs. He's not a top four defender now. So I think that's kind of where I place him. And I think that places him perfectly at a team like West Ham. Because I think he'll go there, play every week and do well. And, and there's no doubt, Scott, we'll be having that conversation, won't we, next year. Maguire's playing well, might win player of the month in the Premier League or something crazy. And people will be going, should have kept that play, shouldn't we? You only have but- to look at Chris Smalling. Right, exactly. You know, Chris Smalling, uh, one of the best defenders in Serie A, but it doesn't mean he'd bring him back now. It still doesn't mean he'd play a hundred percent. And it's the right time to sell. And I think this is the whole thing about when when three parties meet and you kind of can get somewhere with a transfer. Is that it's not just you know hot air. I think it's a case that this player can now find a route out of Man United. That's fine. And I think when he comes back to United with with his new club, you know. We will applaud him because that's what we do at Old Trafford. We do applaud ex-players at, at Old Trafford. We don't give them hard times. So I, I think it's a shame for him the way it's happening for him, but it's also maybe relatively predictable. Let's talk about his potential replacement. United have uh, identified Jean-Claire Todibo, mm-hmm. who is a player for Jim Ratcliffe's niece, who is potentially on the agenda for United if Maguire does leave. Now, yeah, those who play football manager, if you do, will know that <laughs> this lad has been an absolute legend of uh, games from the past four or five years and uh, got all the raw essentials, really, to uh, to excel, excel as a modern-day defender. Mm-hmm. Joined Barcelona in 2019, 
didn't work out for him. He had a few loan deals at Schalke, Benfica, and, and then Nice and joined Nice permanently then. Uh, but he has... Rob, you, you mentioned that he has the the record in Ligue 1 for quickest red card. Last season, yeah, quickest red card in Ligue 1 history. Nine seconds he got sent off for. So nah, you want that at United. Well, well, well him that. and Martinez could be best friends, couldn't they? <laughs> I think that's a that's a record that uh, Martinez would probably uh, like or, or have one day. But no, no, that's that's not why I would want him. But I like the idea of a technical player who's also aggressive. I do like that. So I think when you're looking at your your new signings or players that you want to come in, one of the things you can say about United over the last 10 years is that they've all been pretty soft as a bunch, haven't they? You know, and you know, no offence to Harry Maguire. I think that's one of the things when he's leaving a football club, people might assert to him and say that he didn't have maybe the toughness to maybe carry the job out. I don't know. That's just that's just a lot of what a lot of people have said over time. Uh, I think with Tolibo, I think the good thing with with him is that he's still not the finished article. He's available at what I would call a very agreeable price, same kind of price as Harry Maguire. And as you said, he's had this uh, reputation since he was like eighteen or nineteen. But and I that's think why Barcelona got, signed him. You know, yeah, he, he's very much in the Saliba mold in the sense that I remember when Saliba started at Arsenal last year, and if you remember, it's only twelve months ago, Scott. A lot of people saying, "What are Arsenal doing now? This lad's not ready. He's had a million loans." And, you know, he's decent, but, 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 but he drops into that team and he looks like a worldie on day one, doesn't he? Now, I'm not saying that Tolibo is exactly that player, but I kind of compare him into that bracket of like Camavinga in the sense that he's got a lot of these diamonds in Ligue 1 who, are, who have played really well in, in a short space of time and still relatively young in that 18 to 23-year-old bracket. He's at the older end of that. But I just, I just don't, I just don't think you can get better in the market for that thirty-five million pound or forty million pound mark. And then if Iran breaks down tomorrow, and we all know that might happen, you have got a really, really good player to come straight into the team and someone that could actually assert Iran maybe in terms of form in the season. Well, as well, if you remember, Rob, this is ex- when we were talking about Kim. Yes, this is exactly the kind of profile of player that I said yeah. I would like to see at centre back because yeah. he is not an automatic starter. You can. You can't just turf out Varane straight away because he's still good, yeah. You know, but he he has a risk of breaking down. What you need is somebody who can work alongside him for a couple of years and eventually succeed him, yeah. And if Varane at the end of his contract, you know, ends up leaving on a free transfer or something like that, I, I can't remember how long he's contracted for. But besides the point, I mean, you know, th- this this kind of profile of player is exactly what I think United should be going for, and the problem has always been getting the pieces out. <laughs> uh, so if you're seeing somebody like Harry Maguire actually being closer to an exit than he's ever really been, yeah, not guaranteed yet at all, but you've got to have a contingency plan. This inspires confidence for me that like somebody like Tadebo is the right, the right fit. And he'll come in, won't necessarily expect to start straight away. He's French as well. So he probably respects the hell out of Rafa Varane. Of course he does. Yeah. You know, would take the opportunity to learn from him and he's got you know eight ten years on him so i think this is the kind of player that united should be looking at targeting for the long term yeah and look it's it's scouting is one thing but then you get to a point where you don't need to scout no more like didier deschamps has included tolibo in his squads recently um for, for the french national team so that's the direction he's going in you know he's the kind of player scott that man city go out and buy 
You know, he's the kind of player that City pick up and people go, well, who's that? Never heard of them before. Well, like we might have heard of them, but I think in general you get that consensus. He is the kind of player that I think if United picked up tomorrow, there'd be a lot of fans who would be very excited, but there'd also be a ton of fans be like, never seen this guy play. You know, we've had that with Hoyland in the last few days. I've lost count of the amount of fans that kind of said to us, like even in Las Vegas and stuff like that, like never seen him play, never seen him kick a football. So that's all well and good, but this is exactly the strategy United should be doing. And this is the Ten Hag strategy, going out into the marketplace, not finding diamonds in the rough, but finding someone that's got all the X amount of development and can you then take them to the next level? You're right about Varane. and, And I think that United already are thinking... Who is Varane's successor? Who is Casemiro's successor? What do we do down the line? Why do we not want Harry Kane for 100 million? Is it the age thing? So that there is a lot of that at United about forward planning, but also while still trying to win football matches, you can't not do that. Uh, I think Tolibo would be uh, a fantastic signing. I think the profile of player, one of the best uh, players in terms of bringing the ball out from the back, but also incredibly great at interceptions and reading the game. And very Varane-like. Like, I, I can see Tadebo and Lissandra Martinez being a very, very nice partnership. Though I will say this, neither of them like to head the ball. You know, they both probably got the worst metrics in terms of heading the ball. But the game has changed, isn't it? Is that, that's not what you're buying centre-backs for. Harry Maguire was supposedly very good at heading the ball, but obviously didn't look that great for us doing it, did he? So I think it's more about what you do on the deck. And Eric Ten Hag definitely wants to play transition football, wants to get the ball out from the back. Let us know what you think of this potential plan for United if Harry Maguire... Let us know how much you would take for Harry Maguire in the comments, how much you would take for Scott McTominay in the comments as well. Rob, I do have to shoot off. So we were going to do stop getting on Onana's back, but I think you can just say that in one line. Stop getting on Onana's back. Like, come on. Like, that chip, by the way, in that last game, in the, in the last preseason game at Old Trafford, was not his fault, was it? It wasn't. And I want Don't to give the ball away. Yeah, the defence, like, Jagger Delo, just, just don't give the ball away there. That's so simple, wasn't it? Don't give it away. It's like a schoolboy error. And if your goalkeeper lives on the edge of his box, you might get chipped now and then. And that's the modern game again, Scott. I know we keep saying this, loads of people saying to me, oh, he should just stay in his box. No, he won't stay in his box. Get used to it. You're going to see it every single week. And I think we'll see more than not the benefits of Anana's ball-playing skills when he's outside the box, because we're already seeing it. I'm already seeing it, Scott, and I'm like rubbing my hands together, thinking, this feels like modern football, doesn't it? This is the way we're going. So, fingers crossed, no more mistakes, but I don't blame Anana anyway. Stop crying about David De Gea. Stop it. Good luck to David, like wherever he's going. He hasn't got a club yet. Might turn up in, exactly, might turn up in the Premier League uh, at some point, and that would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? And again, uh, maybe getting a testimonial sometime soon. Yes, uh, that is it for us from the Promised Land pod today. Uh, anything else I'm missing? No, I don't think so. We'll be no. back on Friday uh, to, to look ahead to the Premier League season. United play Wolves, who might not have a manager by then, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, Rob, thanks for today. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, and leave a comment for us. Leave a nice review on whichever uh, audio platform, Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, anywhere else. Uh, please say nice things. Give us five stars. Is it five stars? Yeah, five stars. And also subscribe to my channel at underscore Rob underscore B on YouTube. You'll be seeing lots of new content dropping very, very, very soon.
I need to write that in my uh, opening. Somewhere. Yes, yeah. in the script. Yeah, in the script. <laughs> uh, so follow us on the socials as well, at underscore, double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise Land MU for the show. And we'll see you soon, everyone, for another Promise Land podcast. Thanks for listening. Back to essentially full strength today, and that will be how it is to come with a new season on the horizon. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.